and salam. Welcome to Muslim Viewpoint, a new podcast series brought to you by American Muslim Today. We're a groundbreaking nonprofit national digital newspaper which champions civic engagement by informing and empowering the diverse voices of almost 30 million Muslims here in the US and other Western countries. I am Rifat Malik, I am AMT's Editor-in-Chief, and today we have an interview with the Chicago-based doctor whose hospital treated the second confirmed case of COVID-19 in the United States. Dr. Noor Akras tells us about the recent uptick in the respiratory virus, Sin Seychelles, or RSV, among children and adults as flu season is in full swing and COVID continues to pose a threat and how to stay safe during the holiday season. She spoke with our reporter, Maya Gaylor. Um, so are you currently working at a hospital? Yes. Uh, and which one is that? Where are you located? I work in um, Hoffman Estates. It's a suburb of Chicago. And uh, how has your community reacted to the current RSV flu and COVID? I mean, we, just like a lot of pediatric hospitals across the country, are so overwhelmed with the number of patients. Um, There's so many patients. There's not enough beds. Um, We're every day, it's the same story. People are asking, do you have beds? We're asking other hospitals if they have beds, um, especially ICU beds. So it's been pretty overwhelming for everyone, um, physicians, staff, nurses, everybody. We're, it's just been really overwhelming. Right. Um, and so why exactly should we be concerned that these three viruses are continuing to infect people? Um, and can multiple, can multiple be contracted at one time? Um, and what are the risks involved? So, I mean... RSV and flu are, we've known them for a long time. They've been around for a long time. Um, and COVID obviously has only been around for the last couple of years. Um, so the reason we should be concerned is that we just not, we're not, during COVID, a lot of pediatric hospitals closed because there wasn't a lot of um, pediatric admissions since we were all locked down and um, people weren't really seeing each other and that, that children weren't transmitting viruses and infections back and forth to each other. So, so during that time period, a bunch of pediatric hospitals closed and they didn't open up afterwards, um, for financial reasons. So, so with this current surge of infections of, um, RSV, flu and COVID in the pediatric population, we're just not catching up in terms of bed spaces. So it's really scary to imagine yourself, um, with your child or your baby in an ER and not having a, a bed for your child. Um, so that's really kind of the number one concern here. Um, and in terms and, and in terms of can you be co-infected with multiple viruses? Yes, you, you sure can. It doesn't happen very often, but um, we do see patients who are co-infected with COVID and flu, COVID or RSV, uh, other viruses like enterovirus, uh, adenovirus. There's you know a lot of respiratory viruses, um, and they, a, a patient can be co-infected with more than one virus at a time. Um, and then what are some of the risks involved of contracting multiple at once? So it's, it doesn't necessarily mean there's like a higher risk or like you're going to be sicker. Um, we're not really sure if, you know, we're not really sure how the viruses interact with each other in a patient's body. Um, but certainly if you're in, you know, compromised or if your immune system doesn't work and you have more than one virus, the, the thought is that you would probably get sicker and require res- more respiratory support. 
um, and the longer stay at the hospital. Right. And um, to, to your knowledge, uh, do you know if there is a nationwide struggle for bed space? Yeah, I mean, I'm, a, I'm on a lot of um, Facebook physician groups and it's the same across the country. Everyone's saying the same thing. Pediatricians across the country are saying like there's no beds that, you know, they're having to transfer patients across state lines to get an ICU bed. And that's just ridiculous. Yeah, so uh, why is the RSV outbreak, um, especially among children, concerning? And, you know, I feel like in the past couple of years, because of COVID, we haven't really heard about this RSV. Um, actually, this year, I think, was like one of the first times I've ever heard of it. So um, how, how does this year compare to the last two years? So, yeah, like I mentioned, I mean, we've known about RSV for decades. It's not new to the um, um to the medical community, um, but the reason that there's such a there's such a big uh, there's the reason we're talking about it so much now is because for the last two years, um, as we've been locked down, um, we haven't really seen a lot of RSV infections. So probably we haven't seen I don't think we've seen any in the, the first year of the lockdown. Maybe the second year when when kids started to go back to school, we saw some, but definitely the first year I think that was very minimal. And so uh, babies that have been born in the past two years haven't had any exposure to RSV, and so they don't have any immunity. And even us, um, uh, like older children, adolescents, teenagers, adults, since we haven't really been exposed to RSV in the last couple of years, since people have been uh, locked down and, and home and not, not uh, socializing, um, I think our immunity might have waned to it. So, um, so, so now when our body's seeing it again, we're, we're getting an active infection as opposed to maybe the last 10 years, if we had been infected as children and every year our body saw it again and our, our immunity rose up to fight it. And so we didn't actually get sick. Um, so, uh, so RSV can be, can be actually critically dangerous to children, especially babies because they're, um, their airways are so small and so their airways can lock up with mucus and then they can get, um, they can have difficulty breathing, they can need to be intubated and then they can eventually have a pneumonia or an empyema, which is an infection um, of the fluid around the lung. And so for children under two, it's more dangerous than uh, older children and then particularly for babies because their airways are so small. Um. <clears throat> Right. And so what are some of the symptoms in children and adults um, and are they different anyway? Yeah, so the symptoms for RSV are like fever, cough, congestion, runny nose. And like I mentioned, younger children tend to have more difficulty breathing with RSV as opposed to like adults, like people our age, um, because our airways are bigger and we can tolerate it more. So um, so, so the symptoms are kind of similar, but just that with the smaller children or the smaller babies, they can have more difficulty breathing. Whereas with us adults, um, for us more, it's just a, like a cough, maybe sore throat, runny nose, you know, something like we would expect with the common colds. But with babies, uh, they can really get into trouble uh, with the with the difficulty breathing. Right. And so, when should parents be concerned enough to see a physician? Well, um, definitely if your baby's having trouble breathing, you want to take your baby to an emergency room. Um, if, if your child is having fever and cough, but they're still playful, 
uh, they're still able to drink and keep fluids down, then, you know, those kids you could probably manage at home. If the fever is persisting and very high, then you'd want to see a pediatrician. Um, but definitely, like, the danger signs we talk about in pediatrics is, is, is if the child's not playing or if um, they can't keep fluids down or they're not waking up. Um, those are, like, really big danger signs. Um, and definitely, um, if you notice that they're having trouble breathing, like, you could see their ribs, for example, or their bellies moving a lot when they're breathing. That's Those are signs of um, difficulty breathing. Are there long-term effects for children? Not that we know of from RSV. Um, you know, some, some kids, it can uh, trigger them or trigger their reactive airway disease, so which is like the beginning of asthma. But those people probably already had that from the beginning. Um, so in general, RSV doesn't have any long-term uh, effects if your body fights it off and, and then you, like, get over it. And are there any severe cases among adults who contract RSV? Uh, so I'm not an adult physician, but I think that in the immunocompromised population or at the older adults, they can also get severe RSV. So actually they're working on a vaccine for older older people. There's some, some data out there about uh, the RSV vaccine with people 60 years and older. Um, so definitely they could probably get in trouble too from a respiratory perspective. Um, but I'm not an adult physician, so I can't really, you know, comment too much. Right, right. I understand. Um, but I'm glad you mentioned vaccines, actually, because I had a question. So I noticed that you're, you're right. There is not an RSV vaccine. Um, and can you speak a little more to that and um, what developing one might be like? Yeah, so there is one. There, There is one for sure in development um, with Pfizer. Um, I think they're they're. Um, getting ready to study in, in younger population. A lot of times when with vaccine studies, they study in the older population first. Um, and so there used, there was, uh, like in the 60s, they tried to do, a, there, there was a vaccine candidate that actually turned out it backfired and it made kids sicker. So, um, so, so it's not like people aren't working on a vaccine. They, we've been working, the medical community has been working on a vaccine for a long time. Um, Vaccine development takes a long time. I think a lot of us don't know that because we saw that the COVID vaccine got developed in, in a year or two, and we think that that's normal, but that's actually not normal. Most vaccine studies take at least 10 years um, from beginning to, to development to putting it out there. Um, and the only reason we saw that quickness for COVID was because everybody was working at it at the same time. So, um, and because of the pandemic, obviously, it was like the need for, the need for um, developing that faster was there. So with the COVID vaccine, I know that there's one that they're working on for um, pregnant women so that they, um, pregnant women can pass the antibodies to their fetuses um, and to the babies when they nurse them. Um, and then there's the one that I was talking about that um, that's already, uh, like there's some data in, in 60-year-old people and older and that they're going to start testing that in, in younger children. Um, but that should still be like two or three years in the making. Right. And so from your perspective, as someone who's seen COVID from, you know, the second case in the United States, um, where, you know, how has the pandemic progressed and, um, you know, kind of what stage are we at? Um, are we on a road to recovery? Um, so by now, everyone in the United States at least should have either, you know, been vaccinated or been 
probably infected, um, whether they got sick or didn't get sick. You know, some people could have gotten infected and not um, shown signs and symptoms of the infection. Um, COVID is still here. It's still circulating. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Um, it's, it's, I think it's here for the long haul. So we've, I think as a society, we just have to learn to live with it. And, um, and again, because it's new, there's not a lot of, obviously there's no long-term data. So we don't know in the future if it'll keep, um, mutating or if it'll get worse. But in general, um, viruses tend to mutate to become less lethal and, um, just more contagious. So they become less lethal because, um, obviously if they kill off all of their hosts, then they die as well. So, um, so, you know, we're not post pandemic. I would say, you know, that the, the virus is still here. It's, it's not going anywhere, but I think we're at a point where, um, vaccines are available. Uh, there's treatment modalities available. Um, but it's still considered high risk for people who are immunocompromised or who have underlying lung issues and things like that. And um, so, you know, as we battle the cold season and flu season is in full swing um, and then holidays are rolling around, uh, what kind of measures can be taken to prevent the spread of these viruses? I mean, the best measures would be to it sounds, you know, it sounds like it's so like mundane, but the, the truth is the best measure to protect from um, respiratory viruses is to keep our hands washed because a lot of times uh, we, what happens is somebody, you know, somebody sick touches a surface and then you touch it and then you rub your eye or you rub your nose or your mouth and that'll be a portal of entry for a respiratory virus. Um, the second thing is to just be cognizant of and aware and, um, of your own symptoms and keeping yourself home and isolated when you have um, when you have uh, symptoms of, of, of viral infection like fever, cough, congestion. Um, and I know I know it's hard to you know miss out on um, holiday celebrations or family get-togethers, but especially you should know um, your family members and know if there's like if you have family members who have underlying um, lung disease or underlying heart disease or are they immunocompromised, you really want to be careful around those people and not subject them to an illness that you have. So, so I think, you know, keeping people home when they're sick, uh, frequent hand washing. And um, uh, I think those are like the top couple of measures to try to, you know, curb any, any spread of illness. Right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Akris. I don't have any more questions for you today unless you want to add anything about public health. No, I mean, our, you know, in different cities, public health departments are stronger. But in general, if we listen to our public health department officials, um, uh, you know, just keep an eye out on you know, what they're saying and what they're recommending. And just it's really important to listen to science and the data. Um and, uh, and just be aware of, of, of what's out there. Well, AMT's Community Education Director, Pulmonologist Dr. Amr Khan, is also joining us today. He talks about his adult patients and the incidence of COVID and RSV that he's encountered in his busy practice in South Dallas. So, first, the answer to the question is that, yes, we are seeing COVID cases. The severity is not as the same. Um, 
in the general population, people who have good uh, immune status, the, they've been coping and they've been coping and really doing well as outpatient. Um, however, those who have immune problems or they're compromised in any way, they they are the ones ending up in the hospital. And the numbers obviously are not the same; they're significantly less. And how important is it for adults to get the COVID and flu vaccine? So I think the, since we, since the pandemic, to be honest, and the strains we saw, the beta, beta strain, beta strain initially, um, the follow-up strains that we're seeing now are obviously less severe. And uh, just in general, I am... Uh, I'm very selective in asking uh, my patients about getting vaccinated. There, I think in general, across the board, everyone should get the vaccine one and vaccine two course. The booster vaccination is very individualized. It depends on uh, what are their risk factors and um, uh, who are the people susceptible around them. Um, and why are you selective about asking patients to get vaccinated? I am selective about, uh, so the course one and two is not selective. I think across the board, everyone should still get that. The booster dose should be dependent on a number of things, like what is your immune underlying immune stat. And that, that's because... Uh, because the severity of the COVID strains that we are seeing now is different and not as the same as the initial strains that we saw back in 2020. So, but however, you are more susceptible if age, if you're on immunocompromised medication, if you have immunocompromised diseases like HIV, if you have uh, comorbidities like COPD, if you have additional risk factors like smoking, those patients. Um, should definitely get their booster doses regularly. Have you treated any adult RSV patients this year? So the answer to the question is not as outpatient. A lot of the RSV patients self-resolve. They get better on their own. How should adults treat RSV if they contract it? RSV in adults is treated symptomatically and conservatively. You get rest, you stay on your medications, you hydrate yourself. If you have fever, you treat the fever. If you have underlying, you start having productive cough, you treat for possible underlying infection and then you get antibiotics. If you have underlying you're a smoker and you have COPD or asthma and you start wheezing, you get possible steroids and you treat it mostly with your inhalers and nebulizers if you're on the nebulizer inhalers. A lot of the RSV in adults gets better. If you're not immunocompromised, it resolves in two, three days and um, it, you generally get better after that. Actually, I have one more question. So how should, um, how, how concerned should adults be about contracting maybe possibly flu and COVID or COVID and flu or RSV and COVID or whatever it may be? Yeah, that's a very good question. I, I think what happens is that when you are um, 
in the COVID era and in the post-COVID era, like right now, we're seeing a lot of new lung problems. I think COVID force, COVID in susceptible lungs, those with smokers, those with who have had asthma, those who have had a history of uh, immature lungs, those lung type of lungs we're seeing, they are much more prevalent in the general population. We're seeing a lot of issues with those ones. So it kind of goes back to what we already discussed. If you have, um, if you're not been vaccinated, uh, vaccinate yourself with the COVID one first. That's number one. Number two, make sure you get your flu vaccine um, for adults so that there's, if one or the other hits, you're vaccinated at least. And um, try to stay safe. If you if you're, do have susceptible lungs, try to wear your mask as needed and especially in crowded places. Um, stay, try to uh, avoid contact in that case if you don't feel your lungs are optimum. And uh, you think you may have had another COVID attack, get yourself tested early. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you for joining us uh, from me and my team, Hadiyas Balich and Maya Geller. Uh, please be sure to join us next week um, and be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok at American Muslim. Bye for now.